the bottom line is they can both coexist. And I think club coaches, you know, high school coaches going and, you know, I go watch my club players. I watch their games when we're not in season. Right. And some of their high school coaches for my athletes, some of their, uh, our athletes, some of our, um, some of their club coaches, they come out and watch their high school games, you know, so, so that, that coexistence there and support all in an effort to support that student athlete at the end of the day, you know, it can sound cheesy. It can sound cliche. It can sound corny, whatever you want to call it. But I think anytime we start to stray too far from what's at the center of focus, which is the student athlete and the team, um, I think that's where we start to go wrong. Right place, right time, right uniform. Because obviously we're a private school, we wear uniforms, but I tell them right place, right time, right uniform, right attitude, ready to do the right thing. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. If you're tuning in around publication date, you're just getting rolling on the 2022-2023 school year. So to all of the fall sports coaches listening in, I hope things are off to a boiling hot start and you're making a huge difference for your student athletes already. For those who are new to the show, make sure you use the links down in the show notes to visit the website, highschoolcoachesclub.com, to sign up for the free weekly newsletter, check out all the previous newsletters, also free, and grab yourself a sticker, not as free. And make sure you go back and listen to the previous episodes. It doesn't matter what order you hear them. Each coach brings a unique set of information that can and will help your program out right away. Thanks again for tuning in. And a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make them your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. From the fabrication to the installation, they've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, turf, turf protectors, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts. You name it, they got it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but for the recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros. They're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by the head girls soccer coach at St. Mary's Hall in San Antonio, Texas, Hector Cano. After 20 years of honorable military service in the United States Air Force, Cano made the transition into high school soccer, and he's been making a difference ever since. Like me, he also hosts a podcast, the 50-50 pod, which focuses all around soccer. So excited to share a conversation with you right here, right now. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 69 with Hector Cano. All right, I'm joined by Hector Cano. Thanks for being on the show with me. Great to be here, Max. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Excited uh, excited to uh, do this and let's have some fun. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to connect. I know you, it's a little bit different because... Uh, like we had talked about a little bit over email, um, you know, most people I have on here obviously don't have their own podcast. And so <laughs> it's kind of unique getting to, you know, I've been on the other end of it once uh, yeah. myself. It's kind of unique to, as a podcast host, then go on the opposite side of it and kind of be a guest. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to, uh, sorry to dampen the mood there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I kind of wanted to go back like way back cause you know, just in, in, 
kind of researching you and, and just kind of seen some things about you. Um, you know, I'd, I'd seen that in high school, you had a unique sports experience. Obviously, you, you played sports and things like that. But you're also training and trying to get into the Olympics as a boxer. That's kind of unique. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, there, there came a point. So I, I, I was late, honestly, I was late to the game when it came, when it came to boxing and, uh, the whole, I, I got involved strictly to one of those to hit hit a bag, stress reliever, have some fun with it, stay fit. And it, it was just an additional conditioning thing while I was, uh, playing soccer, playing other sports. And, uh, I just really took a liking to it. I really, uh, felt, I don't know, felt it was fun. And then I hopped in a ring one day, they put me in a ring to do a sparring session with uh, another guy that was getting ready, uh, was, was getting ready for an upcoming tournament. And, uh, I don't know, I just, I guess I had a little too much, <laughs> had a little too much fun in there. It just, it <laughs> seemed, seemed like it felt natural and it just kind of took off from there. So, about halfway through my high school years is where it really took off, competed in uh, local, regional, state Golden Gloves, nationals, and then uh, found myself competing uh, uh, competing in the Olympic trials for trying to make, the goal was to try to make the 96 Olympic team. Obviously came up short, but when you get, you know, when you get to that stage and you're competing at that level, you kind of have to you have to kind of pick a lane, right? You can't, you can't really multi play multi sports <laughs> right. anymore at, at that point, right? Because you got to focus, especially when you're trying to make an Olympic team. And uh, yeah, I mean that's that's really kind of ultimately what curbed my, I guess my my soccer playing, my soccer playing days in high school at least, and and potentially the opportunity to play at the college level. Well, and then your path also is pretty unique because the traditional path, obviously, for like high school coaches is, you know, you play high school, maybe you go play in college, maybe not. But then, you know, you go to college, get your teaching certificate, and then you dive right in and start coaching. And obviously, your path is much different than the kind of that traditional path. Um, ironically, not too different from a, a guest I had on a, a few weeks ago who, um, Josh Mickles, he, he went into the... Um, into the military as well. Um, and so your path, a little bit different than most people, you head off to the military, right? And the United States Air Force, and um, obviously went through a lot of trials and tribulations there. Um, but you spent a long time in the Air Force before you started coaching. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you, you know, you talked about, I guess, unconventional, that that's me, right? I, I kind of yeah. <laughs> just doing things, <laughs> right. you know, marching, marching to the beat of my own drum, I guess. But now I think, I think after, after my experience with the 96, uh, the 96 Olympic trials, the goal was to try to, the, in theory, the goal was to try to go pro, right? Whether I made the Olympic team or not. Uh, but at that time, I was just, I was, I felt like I needed a break. I felt, and I didn't really see eye to eye in terms of my manager and trainer and, and the pro path what, you know, and of course being a typical, uh, 18 year old, uh, 18 year old boy, I wouldn't say man, but, uh, thought I knew it all thought I, you know, so I just, I knew regardless, I, I knew that, uh, I knew I was going to get college done. I knew I was going to attend school, get my degree, all of that. But at that particular point, I just, I wanted to go see the world. I wanted to travel. And, and I was raised, I come from a family that really believes in service, service to country, service to community. So I, I knew at some point I was going to 
I was going to end up in the military. So I just figured, Hey, right. You know, right after, uh, right after high school, why not go then? And, uh, yeah, it kind of took off, took off from there. And it wasn't till probably, I would say maybe seven, no, I'd say about six years, six, seven years into my military career, I get stationed overseas. I'm in Europe where I guess the, the first, I, I was playing semi-pro there and then, um, was, was banged up for a good bit in, injured a few times, uh, started assisting the coaching staff. And, and from there, it just, that's where I kind of got the bug to want to coach and, uh, ended up, uh, came back pretty much hung up my, hung up my boots and started playing uh, or coaching, I should say exclusively after that during my time in Europe. And that's really where I got that bug to, to, um, you know, to really want to, to, to do it, to pursue it. Yeah. Eventually, like obviously you came back to soccer after being away from it through boxing and through the military, but eventually like everybody at some point is eventually has to face the reality that their playing days are over and they've got to switch into the coaching role. Um, It happens for all of us. And um, so kind of can can you take me through that process from um, not being a high school coach at all to all of a sudden you're a high school coach? Like what was that Take me through that gap of like how you got from one spot to all of a sudden coaching high school sports. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it was an interesting one because I went, um, obviously in the middle of all of that is a couple of combat tours in, uh, mm-hmm. both in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, an injury had a pretty significant injury and, uh, took, took me a long time to, to rehab, to recover, to return to full active duty status. And, uh, during that time, um, I think I just, I continued to read, I continued to, um, I, I guess I was straying away from maybe coaching a little bit again, but I came across, a, I think it was a Newsweek time magazine where it was talking about just the power of the coach and the power that a, uh, that, that the, uh, a role that the coach can be as a role model in, in a young kid's life. So I just, you know, started reading up some more and I, I just continued to, every time I felt like I strayed, even in my active duty career, something always brought me back to want to consider coaching. Hmm. So then you fast forward to 2010, 2010, I end up, uh, I was the uh, chief military training instructor at, at the Air Force Academy. And I started there, I got asked to come on there with their, uh, with their program at the prep school. And I ended up becoming the head coach there at the prep. And, and the prep school is not a high school. It's a post high school, 10 month graduate program that prepares, uh, basic cadet candidates for the actual academy. So, so it's essentially an extra year of before they do their four years at the um, actual Air Force Academy. So, so I was there for a year and I was, um, doing recruiting and coaching, you name it, I was, you know, wearing the thousand hats. And, but I was also working in conjunction with the, the D1 women's program there at the Air Force Academy and functioning a lot with recruiting. And my role was to really develop those handful of, of student athletes, those cadet athletes that came in and to prepare them for the academy. So you fast forward and I spend the next couple of years there with the D1 women's soccer program. And and then at that time, I had opportunities to continue to pursue uh, college. You know, I had college coaching opportunities. But what I, what happened? I was still <laughs> I was still active duty, right? So I couldn't just leave and go <laughs> somewhere else. I was on a four year controlled tour, so so I had to leave the Air Force Academy. But during that time, um, I stayed with it, continued to work coaching club, 
And um, about in 2014, I went ahead and I retired, retired from the military, decided to retire early and uh, pursued, moved to San Antonio and which is where my wife met, where my oldest daughter was born and uh, entered grad school. And during that time, so I was kind of in this in-between status from not nothing currently available in in the in terms of college opportunities i was in grad school so i wasn't going anywhere and i just i had always been intrigued i was always kind of a dive in kind of guy rather than take other people's word for it so i figured hey you know I, you hear about sometimes the bickering that goes on in soccer between club coaches and high school coaches and i had coached pretty extensive i had coached pretty much at every level uh, at that point other than high school so just started had that opportunity, an opportunity presented itself um, at a local private school here in San Antonio in St. Mary's Hall and kind of the rest is history from there. Yeah. And so you dive into St. Mary's Hall, obviously, and you from, I don't want to say you weren't coaching before that because obviously you were, but when anyone goes into like a head coaching job at a high school who hasn't been a head coach before, um, like you don't know what you don't know sort of a thing, right? You just kind of, you're diving in and you just kind of go with what you already have. Um, So when you kind of took over, what were your first, I don't know if steps is the right question, but what maybe questions you were trying to figure out, um, uh, game plans you're trying to create, like when you are saying, okay, coach, Kano, you're the head coach now. Like what, what'd you do at that point? Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it was an interesting dynamic because, um, so I was new. So in Texas, on the private school side, you, you do not have to be a certified teacher to coach. Mm-hmm. You're you're a part time stipend coach, and um, being new, being new there, I had I was kind of afforded the opportunity to grow into into that head coaching role at the high school level because I I was asked initially to come in as an assistant coach uh, for I think what was it about two years, and I was also the goalkeeping coach. Um, so so I was and. And I had the luxury of being afforded the opportunity to work with a legendary coach there in St. Mary's Hall and Brian Kaysner. And he, you know, we, he kind of showed me more of, you know, you talked about it. He showed me more of the management side of things, the paperwork, the administration piece, because the, the coaching piece came pretty natural to me. Uh, but it was the, the communication piece with, with the parents, with the players, with understanding the community and and how they, you know, how they kind of like to receive information, how far out they like to receive information. Um, so all of those aspects, the the not the X's and O's, not the on the field stuff, but it was really the 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 administration piece, the management piece, which is as you know, uh, where most high school coaches, just like college coaches, spend a ton of time. And, uh, <laughs> no kidding. So, and I already knew the role on the assistant coaching side. So, so yeah, it was, it was a great, uh, it was a great fit and it allowed me to just continue to grow into what is now my current role. Yeah. So, I mean, like now, obviously you're, you're head coaching there, but, uh, you ended up going from St. Mary's hall. Um, and I want to make sure I say this right. It's Isleta, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, most, most people struggle, most people struggle yeah, with that one. So great job. Uh, and so you end up at Isleta and, um, you know, there's that YouTube video of you. I think you got interviewed by a, a local news station there that I saw, um, really cool interview, but, um, you know, one of the things in that interview that was kind of striking is you, you kind of went into Isleta and took over a program that, um, obviously I don't know everything about it or hardly anything about it, but it seemed like it was struggling a little bit, maybe with identity structure, that sort of a thing. Uh, and you came in in year one, you really kind of started turning that program around, which is really hard to do in a short time frame. And one of the things that you mentioned in that interview, like four or five different times, was the word structure. And I couldn't help but think, as as you kept saying that, I couldn't help think, well, this guy obviously was in the military, right? Like he, he understood the importance of structure and how to um, get success to come from structure and how kids and programs in high school, everybody needs structure in their life. Um, so when you ended up at Isleta, like what was that process like of trying to come up with structure that you knew would work for those girls in that program? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting dynamic on multiple levels because I was returning, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was returning home and I, I hadn't been home. Re- I mean, obviously, aside from visiting for a few days here and there, I, I hadn't been home really to, or living at home, I guess you could say back in El Paso for, I'd been gone for 23 years. So, so it was an interesting dynamic that in itself. Uh, but then in Isleta, I, I really knew, I knew what I was walking into because it was traditionally speaking, it's not, uh, it's not. Uh, it's known for having athletes that, you know, that are, that are gritty, that are fighters. Um, but in terms of your year in and year out success, they're not known for that. And especially, especially in, you know, girls soccer. And, uh, so, and I knew that they had been down on their luck for a few, for, for a while now. And they had had, you know, back when they were at the four, a level, they had had some success, but that had been well over you know, well over a decade, I think, or close to that. So, um, so when I, when I walked in, I think the, I knew what I was getting at, what I was walking into, I should say, but also in my meetings with, uh, the athletic director, with the principal, a lot of what I had been told was that these were young ladies that when they were, so when they were searching, when they were having a, a new head coach, head coaching search, the feedback that, that the players that the young ladies were giving them were, was that they wanted a a player, a coach that was organized, structured, disciplined, that was going to push them. Right. So, and I (laughs) think, I think you and I would both agree that if as a new head coach coming in, if regardless of what their record was the year before, that's kind of a dream situation, right? That's kind of a dream scenario. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I think what I quickly realized when I got there it was that there was definitely talent there. Um, maybe it was a little underdeveloped, maybe, uh, but it had more than anything. You could see the structure piece that was missing. You could see the, uh, the not so much the discipline, but the consistency that was missing with them. And more than anything, that was what they needed. Just someone to someone to be consistent with them. And what I mean by consistent was in terms of was and you know anytime you're a Anytime there's a new head coach coming in, the big piece, especially year one, maybe sometimes even year two, is culture implementation, right? Mm-hmm. And 
And with the culture piece, it was the those words those words that they had heard as cliches or buzzwords. So, you know, respect, accountability, coachability, um, you know, attitude, effort, all of these things that they've heard as just as punchlines, if you will. Now they were being expected to to live up to them every day. And uh, I think through that consistency, they, you know, they bought in and we were able to, we were, we were able to experience some, some success over the course of the next two years. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the glory, glory goes to them. I think I th- the only thing that didn't sit well with me was I felt like we could have get, I could have gotten a little bit more out of them. So when I critique myself as a coach and I look back on it and reflect, I think that was the one thing I, uh, where I maybe let them down a little bit where I could have mm-hmm. done a little bit better. But, uh, but what I'm most proud of, I think in terms of my time there was that every, every junior and senior in the two years that I was there graduated. And also that, uh, well, while, uh, in my time there, Given my college recruiting background, a handful of them told me that they wanted to pursue playing at the next level. So, you know, I, I took them through that process and they bought they bought in. And over those next two years, we had seven of our players receive 42 <laughs> offers to play at the next level. That's and awesome. um, and at Isleta, <laughs> that just does not happen. So, um, so we had seven of them receive 42 offers and then four. Uh, Four of them went on to actually play at the next level, and now, and we currently have two that are that are on college rosters right now. So that's what I'm most proud of is that they're out there, they're chasing their dreams, and they're pursuing their their college education. Yeah, there's a lot of um, like success, like measuring moments as a coach. I think I think one of them, one of the most gratifying ones, I think, is watching former players um, who are still competing in college. Like it's. I assume you kind of do the same thing, but I know for me, you know, as a baseball coach, um, uh, baseball players in college play, you know, on the weekend. So it's really easy for me on a Monday morning. I can just pull up, you know, each player, you know, and, and look at how they did over the weekend. It's just a really cool thing to be able to like yeah, see my yeah. guys still playing at the college level, yeah. something that obviously meant a lot to them. And I got to be kind of part of that journey for them. And, um, like you said, it's just really gratifying, um, seeing players go Absolutely. off to play college and just could, you know, pursue those dreams. Absolutely. When you look at El Paso, um, which is obviously where we mentioned Isleta, this, um, there are, there's also that other dynamic of how close it is to the border and um, how unique that environment ends up being for a lot of the um, just students in general that you end up having. Um, and it kind of comes with a, a, a different, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but just um, a different set of circumstances than maybe a lot of people in our country um, have no familiarity with myself included up here in Oregon. Um, <laughs> and so can you kind of just go into that? Like what were, what was the dynamic like being so close to the border and what that was kind of like for a lot of the students? Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, and I'm glad you mentioned that because paint, trying to paint that picture is, is something that we often try to do, especially for people, <clears throat> excuse me, for people that may not be along the border or people that may not be in, in Texas. Um, but yeah, we were, we set Isleta high school, excuse me, Isleta high school set sits about from the actual border as the crow flies. You probably be the, I think it's maybe I'd say 150, 200 yards or so. And uh, hmm. so 
the the dynamic it, so you're right it did present a certain set of just circumstances of it was it presented a, a dynamic that you as a coach you you simply had to be aware of just as simple as just the logistics of of practice game days you had you had to be aware of that because we did have a handful we did have a handful of of our student athletes that they had family there and they they would go back over the weekend or sometimes there was this there's this there i mean they're sister cities el paso and juarez mm-hmm. so you routinely have people coming and going on both sides whether it's for work family what what have you right excuse me so so for us one of the things that i quickly noticed in terms of buy, the buy-in factor was that i like i said we had a handful of student athletes that that was their daily journey, right? Hmm. And they were staying, maybe relatives lived, you know, over on the other side, but they also had relatives that lived, you know, in the Isleta boundary zone. So, so their daily journey, and we would practice at, we would practice at 6am. So for some of them, when they were coming, when they were crossing and coming over, their day would start maybe as early as 430 in the morning. And and here in Texas, we play on the UIL side, the private, the public school side, I should say. We, you know, our we enter our season in December. We start playing games in January, so we're in the thick of it through the winter. And uh, and people think, well, it's Texas; it's not really a winter, but it's still <laughs> it still gets cold. So, um, so in terms of these these practices, and, and and I have to highlight that a lot of that was also taking place during, obviously, during COVID. Right. So which presented another layer of of issue of of international issues just between being able to process coming and going through the border. And and while while I was there, we were testing our student athletes on Mondays. We were testing them every week along with coaches. So coaching staff would arrive at about 5 a.m. We would test ourselves. Then we would set up tables, everything in our, in our gym. And we were testing the entire team at about five 30. So this way we could all be on the field by about, about six, six Oh five, six, 10 AM for practice. So that was just another layer of the coming and going of many of our student athletes. And, and, and they would often, sometimes they would take planning and they would help each other out because some of our other student athletes would agree to meet them at the bridge and then bring them, bring them down to school. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of planning. It was a lot of logistics. And, uh, I think it just further shows the commitment level of our student athletes. Yeah. Well, I, f- first off, it's <laughs> what a weird thing that we've all collectively lived through <laughs> over the last few years. Right. And, yeah, um, yeah. but I think at a deeper level, you know, obviously for everybody, but especially for, those kids, like that extra layer of, of difficulty that COVID added on and to kind of endure through that, like what a, what an awesome like life lesson, I guess that they have to, um, or they get to, uh, kind of continue with of knowing like, first off high school kids at 6am are different kind of people. Um, oh, and so I'm not sure only are they getting there super early, uh, <laughs> you, you know, going through COVID testing on top of that yeah. and kind of going through everything that that involves in also having, you know, obviously a fresh, uh, a fresh coach and, um, just a lot of different, um, circumstances for them. And, and just kind of a cool thing that they all get to collectively, um, maybe remember for the rest of their lives. Like, man, what a unique situation we all got to live through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, 
just all these little it was all these little things in yeah that 20 that 2021 season was like it was like oh let's see what other obstacle we can present right <laughs> that's that's really every day was a surprise literally every day yeah man it's crazy yeah. so take yeah. me through yeah, um but more power more power to them though because they definitely developed another layer of, of resiliency for sure yeah no it's it's awesome for students and i tried to you know you you tried to help kids see things the way they actually are and you know we're all successful at various levels for that but um those are the things we tried to impart on our players during that that those weird year two of just like this is something that you get to kind of overcome, conquer, and look back on for the rest of your life as like this cool collective thing that this particular group's athletes got to experience and overcome and live through. And it's going to be a cool right. story you get to tell your kids someday and, and just try to phrase it in a way that makes it somewhat positive, even though obviously living through it wasn't all that exciting or fun. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and you know, and the other piece too was um something that is very big kind of near and dear to me and obviously very big in our world right now was you really had to do it was tough because i'm definitely i consider myself to be a a, a transformational coach so i'm mm -hmm. a relationship based guy to begin with and what made so you really had to be dialed in as best as you could into your student athletes in terms of just the dynamics of what was going on at home, right. With family, some people, cause we did have, we did have some, uh, some people that, that lost loved ones. Um, so, so there was a lot going on through all of that. And, uh, and it did make it harder. The pandemic only made it harder just for a number of reasons in terms of being able to attend or not being able to attend funerals or not being able to obviously main constantly maintaining that distance when, when some of your athletes kind of really needed to just be consoled, they were in the middle of mourning and it was hard. So, so there was just a lot of layers there. And I think, and you're right though. I think it's just, I think they, um, wasn't easy and you had to be dialed into mental health and really checking in on your athletes, uh, regularly. But I think that, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said in terms of just the, the lessons learned as they reflect and the resiliency for sure. Well, again, it's it's kind of going back to what we talked about earlier of how, uh, you know, like coaching soccer, the actual coaching soccer part is only, you know, a very small portion of what coaching soccer actually entails when you're a high school coach. And there's just so much oh, yeah. that goes into it. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, no to ask you then now, like, what's your current spot? What's your current role? What are all the different pieces that you have um, going on right now when someone asks you, like, what's what's your job? <laughs> what's your answer for them? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I just give them the I just give them the business card at this point because there's too many titles, right? <laughs> well, so, man, when I look, when um, I looked you up yeah. on the website, there's like there's like seven different things mentioned. I'm like, oh, this guy's got a lot going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's just it's just a lot of part time jobs that add up and make me sound important. That's what I tell people all the time, <laughs> right? So, yeah, no, I think so. Now, currently, my role, at least at St. Mary's Hall my role there is so I'm the director of soccer so kind of a unique situation where I'm able to oversee the the scheduling the logistics the 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 weekly uh, practice implementation plan uh, work at, we just hired our new uh, our new head men's soccer coach so the overseeing of hiring of coaching staffs working with our head coach on on the men's soccer side and uh, so, and and really looking at player development from the lower school level th into the middle school, and so, so a vertical alignment really is what we're looking at, right? Kind of, we have a unique situation there in St. Mary's Hall where 
where we're kind of able to almost implement a, dare I say, an academy system there at a private school since since we're all a single entity and our, our lower school, our middle school, and our upper school, our high school, they're all on the same campus. So so overseeing the, that process over the course of a school year, over the course of a season. Uh, in addition, I'm also the head, as I mentioned before, the head women's soccer coach. And then I'm also, so I serve as, I guess, our, our sports information director, if you will, essentially. So our, um, really what is our, uh, I oversee everything in terms of our, just our, our uh, all our communications, our athletic communications and our, our creative content. So whether it be graphics, uh, graphics for big games, district games for all of our sports. So, so it's a lot of, it's a lot of coverage and support from that perspective for everything that is not soccer as well. I want to get into some of the like vertical alignment and player development parts of it, but something you just mentioned, I think would be cool for coaches because I think a lot of us um, probably don't have a Hector <laughs> in our in our school who can handle a lot of the sports information part, right? So most coaches end up being their own individual teams sports information director, which I know right, you right, are, but right. you're also working with the rest of the team. So when you look at like social media, obviously it's huge today and there's no getting around that. It's a great tool to use for teams and, and kids and communication to families and parents and friends and everything like that. Um, when you talk about like creating digital stuff, what kind of um, apps or websites or programs or like what type of stuff are you using to create all that, all that cool, cool stuff? Yeah, you know, that's such a I'm glad you asked that, Max, because that gives me an opportunity to give such a great shameless plug. But uh, <laughs> so we have so both on so and and this is I guess this is kind of a two part question or two part answer with this with the same answer. But um, <clears throat> excuse me, both St. Mary's Hall. St. Mary's Hall, we recently just because I had the opportunity of being able to kind of shop, if you will, what platform we kind of wanted to go mm -hmm. with. So I re we recently signed a deal to go with, uh, I'm not sure if you ever heard of Gipper. They're based out of New York. but uh, Actually, I've gotten quite a few emails from Gipper and I've tried to get our AD to let us buy it. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. So, well, I guess we can talk about that more offline, but I can give you more info if you need it. But, um, but yeah, they're great. Uh, great resource. And what they do is they provide, the, they're designed for everyone from whether you have, if you have zero experience on the digital graphic front, or even if you have extensive uh, experience, because you can, the, the more extensive experience, I think the, the, just the more you start to realize how much more you can utilize their platform. So, so Gipper, and you can get more information on them. I know on their, their social media is, um, I think it, it's go at go Gipper. And then you can also, their website is go, go Gipper.com. But, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, but so we use them and then we also use, um, uh, as an educator, I think you, I'm, I'm sure you know this, but Canva, we have access to Canva Pro for free if you register and sign up with them. So use Canva quite a bit as a supplement. And then the other one that I use that I, I've kind of, I don't use as much, but obviously the, the king of all of them, which is Photoshop, but that's, mm -hmm. that's for the more adv obviously advanced people, I guess, or people that have extensive experience on that. But, but in my everyday, um, Photoshop tend to be my bigger projects, my specialized projects, but my, my everyday stuff, love what I'm doing with, uh, with both Canva Pro as well as Gipper. 
And uh, and then on the other side, which I'm sure we'll get to later, but on the podcast side, I just uh, this kind of just happened to fall in line. The timing was relatively close to the same, but I had a uh, through the podcast to my podcast, a fifty fifty podcast. We just uh, we just announced our, our our partnership deal. They're going to be a a, a, spo- a sponsor, a part of our partnership with with the podcast. So. Um, so, and there'll be more to come on that, uh, in the, in the coming weeks, but, um, but yeah, I think that's how much I, that's how much I believe in them on the podcast side. Whenever we're seeking, you know, sponsorship, partnership deals, they have to be products that I stand by that I really like. And they, um, they, they reached out, they reached out to me, we had conversations and they just, they said uh, that they were they wanted to kind of partner up with the podcast and I was all for it. I already knew about their product. I loved their product. So it was kind of a no brainer. And, uh, but yeah, I think for sure Gipper can't go wrong with, there are other platforms out there as well. You know, just to name a few, I know there's, there's box box out sports, I believe to name another one, go edit just to name, just to name a few. Um, but then the end, uh, and then of course, Canva, Canva pro always makes a great supplement to go with any any platform any app you want to go with yeah i, I was gonna say i once accidentally opened up uh photoshop and i there's there's just there was a scary scary thing i think i closed it within 10 <laughs> seconds it was not it was not made for me <laughs> it's, it's a lot it, it, it's a lot it, it, i'll tell you this it's a lot even when when you're away from it for a while even and i had pretty good pretty good level of experience with it. And even when you're away from it for a little while and then you go back into it, it takes you and you know, with all the updates, things look different, different versions. There's some of the buttons you're used to are, are in different places and stuff right. like that. So, so yeah, so it's uh, it takes a little while. Yeah. Well, I mean that the social yeah. media part is huge. It's really, it's fun. It's a great way to, I guess, sell your program in a way. Um, and then for you being in kind of a unique situation where you talked about the vertical alignment piece where, you know, you're getting kids, they're all on this one campus basically, right? For the whole the entirety Correct. of their career, if they want to be, or their career, that's a weird word to use, their student experience um, <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Um, and so, so you you get to live in kind of this neat, unique place. However, um, I think all coaches are trying to get vertically aligned regardless. So, right. um, just within their community or their feeder schools or things like that. So I think the discussion can apply for everybody. Um, but obviously you're in mm-hmm. a pretty cool, unique situation that a few other coaches will find themselves in. So when you're looking at that idea of vertical alignment, trying to get everything lined up, what are some of the like key components you're trying to have lined up that, that everybody's kind of doing or, or working towards across all grade levels um, from the, the lowest all the way up to 12th grade? Yeah, you know, so we, so one of the things that kind of helps us a little bit is, so our lower school, our elementary uh, league, it pretty much, it runs from, it runs, they start practice right around, right after Labor Day. So the week of Labor Day, and that runs through towards the end of October, excuse me. And so during that time, we're, we're afforded the opportunity. And so this, and our teams are from first first grade through first grade through fifth grade well it, it's kind of a unique setup first grade through fourth grade and then our fifth and our fifth and sixth graders uh, which so sixth grade obviously is the start of middle school but our fifth and sixth graders they play together in a combined 
a part of a combined team in this lower school league because lower the lower school league itself allows first through uh, through sixth grade. So, so it's a combined. It, it's an interesting setup. But what it allows is what it allows is a lot of a, it, it gives us more and it's co-ed. So one of the things that you see, and I had this conversation just the other day with a parent, but one of the things that you see that's I that's just kind of interesting is these leagues. The lower school leagues are designed to be co-ed, but yet, for whatever reason, when you when you walk around all the different games, you know whether it's first grade, second grade, third grade, what you'll what you'll typically see is majority of the schools that we're playing against, they have one or two girls on their on their team. Our teams are typically they may be anywhere from forty to sixty percent female. So, mm. so yeah, in that moment. In that moment, it, it can be maybe a little frustrating to see it in their development process. But what we find is that those that stick with it, that experience, it it show it tells a different story when maybe uh, some of those girls get to middle school. You know, because yeah. you start to you start to see their their experience, or you start to see their comfort level because they've been used to playing against boys for so long that when they're playing against other girls, it just it just, I don't know. It just feel it's a flawless transition, I guess. So, um, but the other piece too is with our lower school program is we use it as an opportunity to, to educate our parents. Uh, because first of all, we couldn't get it. Well, we have a coach, we have two coaches that'll oversee our lower school system. Right. And then, and I work with them in conjunction with our, our lower school sports coordinator, but we couldn't get, we couldn't pull it off without, we kind of have an army of volunteer parent coaches that help us. And so it gives them that opportunity to, to learn, uh, learn the coaching. Our coaches are modeling training sessions as well, but the, the volunteer parents actually coach it on, on game day on Saturdays. So, and we're just there kind of observing we're there to help as needed, but, um, so we couldn't pull it off without that to begin with. But the other piece is, um, through through the involvement, the buy-in of our when our parents see one of their own, another volunteer parent kind of coaching the team as well, it kind of creates this this community, right? And this buy-in in terms of the school, the program, you know, the soccer program as well. Um, but the other piece is we're able to educate our parents on uh, being uh, development driven, not results driven, meaning mm-hmm. we could care less whether Johnny or Susie went, went undefeated in first, first grade through fifth grade. What we want to see, what we're, what we're hitting at the core is, are they, are they having fun? Are they enjoying the experience? Cause what we found is if they're having that fun and that engagement level, and it's, they, they equate it to fun memories with their, with their friends, they will want to keep coming back. And when they want to keep coming back for another season and another season, that leads to development. So, um, so yeah. So I think because what you find with uh, with and and rightfully so, no fault of their own, but what you, what you find with with many parents, especially the ones that aren't, they don't have a history in the game. That's in soccer, for example, um, or they, they just don't maybe understand it. There for them when when their son or daughter are entering our lower school program. They have no real way of measuring success other than whether they whether they won or they lost, right? Whether whether Johnny scored a goal or or Susie, you know, blocked the goal, you know, playing goalkeeper. That's their own real way. That's their only way that they know going in 
how to measure success. So, so we help them to def- define that and let them know that the focus is, is development. The focus is what we've been working on in practice. Are they gradually trying to implement it? Right. And, and trying to play the right way, the, the connecting passes, the attacking space when they see space, uh, exploiting space, what have you still wanting to go to goal, teaching them to be comfortable on the ball, all these little aspects, all these little components, obviously. So, um, so yeah, so I think that's a big factor there. That's and it's paid huge dividends because um, I can tell you going back to when I was working. So obviously this is my second stint. I, well, we talked about it right. before, but this is my second stint at St. Mary's Hall. But in my first my first time at St. Mary's Hall, when I was working directly with uh, the lower school, you know, some of our lower school kids, we've seen it come kind of full circle because now. There is four of those on the girls' side. There are four of those girls that I was coaching in maybe second grade or third grade that are now playing for me on the varsity. So, um, so it really shows, and we're we're proud of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That that long term development piece and the educating of parents at the youth level, it, it definitely not unique to soccer. It's it's the the same very right. much in many sports, certainly baseball included, where what you're talking about is so spot on. It's, it's, it's trying to help parents, especially reevaluate how they see success at the youth level. And it does, it goes to what you're saying, obviously development's a huge part of that, of course, but also like you're saying, like we, we try to ask our, our, we try to challenge our youth coaches to ask themselves two questions, which is basically number one, are you, are, are the kids having fun and do they want to play again next year? Right. Cause right. It, that's the number one question. If they are, and the answer is yes to both those, you know, that's amazing. Like you're doing whatever you're doing, you're doing good. And then the second thing is, you know, are they, did they get, I don't know, what's the right term? Did they get good enough <laughs> this year to, to be able to have the <laughs> yeah. skills they need to play again next year? Right. So if the answer to those two questions right. are yes, then like as a parent, you've got to be super happy and excited about that. Even if the team, like, what if the, you go five and 17, like, who, but when they get to high school, no one's going to care. Like it doesn't matter. And exactly, I think that, exactly. that education piece that you're saying is so important because I think a lot of us get so into the winning side of things and you can win and develop at the same time, of course, but um, right. it's, it, it's hard to re rewire your brain to understand that it's about the long-term development of my kid, not winning this one soccer game today when he's in second grade. <laughs> Right. And, and, you know, and it's not, obviously it's not exclusive to just soccer. I mean, you see that, I think it's, (laughs) I think it's kind of a, an American youth sports thing, right? Just the (laughs) the competitive, the the competitiveness and us in general, I think that, but, but without that educational piece, without that roadmap, right. Of, Hey, where, where we're trying to go and this is how we're trying to go there. Um, with, without those pieces kind of shared, if you leave it strictly up to the parents, the only way they're going to know how to measure success is through when, you know, wins and losses. That's it. That's it. Um, so, so very, it's vital. And I think that, and, and like I, t- <laughs> I tell parents, I've told parents this a few times in the past is that, you know, I don't think, you know, Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't think they can recall what their record was in third grade, you know, or, <laughs> you know, fourth, not. fourth grade. Yeah. So I don't, I think they could care less, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, I say that jokingly, obviously tongue in cheek, but also, um, I think a lot of it is attributed to grateful for just the buy-in of our parents and our volunteer coaches, because I can't stress that enough about how much 
we can't pull it off without them and how they buy into our process, you know, and, and what we're trying to do. And, and usually at the end of the year, we have this conversation with parents and we, we get feedback and, and sometimes, you know, weekend and week out during the season, during the league play where there are some games where as a team, we, we, sh- we look well, you know, and we run away from the other team. And then there are other weeks where the game just gets away from us and they run away from us. But when they start to look back on it as to the end of the season, where, where little Johnny or where little Susie was at the start to the end of the season, it's, it's night and day. It really is. Uh, you know, a part of that obviously is leadership and leadership among players. And I imagine, um, Soccer is really unique in that way where there's it's it's very different from a lot of other sports where as a coach is like in baseball, I have so much time to stop and talk to players right between innings uh, <laughs> when our team's on defense. Uh, I've got guys in the dugout I can talk with when our team's on offense. I can come talk to guys in the dugout that were just in the field. Obviously, other sports are somewhere in that way where there's a lot of timeouts. There's opportunities for me to talk with kids in soccer. It's a little bit different, right? Because you're. Once the mm-hmm. game starts, there's a lot less, um, I guess, like one-on-one instruction where you're like specifically talking to individual players that are on the field because they're in the middle of a game. Like there's not a whole lot of stopping right. in soccer, right. um, which I imagine means the 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 need for leaders among a soccer program is probably higher than it is in some other sports. Obviously, you have a military background, so um, the military tends. A lot of coaches have had have been in the military have pretty cool ideas on leadership. So when you look at your program and you look at trying to help build leaders, what types of things do you do or focuses do you have to kind of help create that environment where once the game starts, the girls can rely on each other? Well, you know, we look at it, obviously, the the lower school piece that we talked about, it just further, it, it springboards into the middle school program. And then our our goal is to try to get as many, as many of those uh as many of those kids that start, let's say they start playing in, in first grade, right? And we track them, we track them all the way into the varsity. Um, what we want is if we looked at 10, what we're trying to do is his, historically speaking, if you take 10, 10 boys, 10 girls in first grade, and they go through them, they go through the lower school experience, middle school experience. And how many of those are we retaining that want to that still want to play and that have developed when they enter high school and the varsity, right? So, so at the varsity level, it's obviously, uh, it's a different level, obviously, but, uh, so we put a premium on character and leadership development. And one of them, so one of the things that, that I've implemented going back several years now is something that I took with something that I took with me from, uh, from the air force Academy, which is, uh, and I just had this conversation the other day with one of our football coaches, but, excuse me, the, so the PITO, PITO leadership model with P I T O. So, um, so your, each one of those is designed is it's categorized and designed to apply to players at their respective grade. So whether mm. freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior, so, uh, personal, which is freshman, the, the freshman, what we're asking them to apply is personal leadership. And meaning, can you first lead yourself before you ask others to follow you right before? Because everyone is generally quick to want to raise their hand yeah. Yeah. In, in terms of wanting to be a leader. Uh, 
and no one wants to be a follower. They look at that as a bad word in terms. Of, so one of the things that we preach in our program is followership, meaning, meaning identifying a mentor, right? Meaning who, who are you, who are you following to help you further develop as a leader yourself? Right. So, um, so that's, that's the freshman year. Gen- generally speaking is, is personal leadership. Their sophomore year, we look at interpersonal interpersonal skills, interpersonal leadership. So at that point, they are obviously they're no longer freshmen, and really we have this rule that by the second half, the second half of the district season for our freshmen, we no longer expect them to really act, think, or have the excuses of of being freshmen. Right? We tell them they're no longer freshmen at that point. So. So by the time they're sophomores, they are now expected to, they take on a larger leadership role in terms of working with and being mentored by our juniors. Um, but so this hierarchy, if you will, but also taking, taking the, any incoming freshmen that are going to be their teammates or part of the program, they, they start working with them and they start helping lead them. They start helping them in terms of our culture, the, Hey, we're here. We're about this here. We don't do that here. You know, that those kind of things their junior year. So that takes on a whole, that's when they're, um, so that's their, their really their team, their transformational year where they're now expected to take on a, um, a leadership role across the entire program. So they don't have to be just, a t- they don't have to be a team captain. They are now leaders working with our seniors, but they are now leaders on, on the team. Right. right let's say our varsity, but then also within our program, the JV, Maybe uh, handing a hand, uh, lending a hand to our middle school team, supporting our middle school coaches occasionally with practices, just stepping in and helping them out. So they're now kind of taking on this larger leadership role uh, for the entire program. And then by the time by the time they become seniors, they are now at the organizational level, meaning so they're not expected. There our program is not enough in terms of just their involvement level, their engagement level, and their leadership level. They are now, they're now involved and in leadership roles and leadership positions in multiple clubs, organizations within our school, right? They're now expected to really be leaders of our school, different councils, what have you. And then within their, within their community, right? Within the community of whatever they may be passionate about, whether it's foundations, charities, whatever maybe they're working with. But We've we've made it a point to try to implement that that pedo leadership model, and uh, I'm a big fan of it. I've seen it how it um, obviously it has its roots in a in a um, you know military community, but it it can definitely work outside of a outside of a service academy, and I'm a big fan of it. That's a that's a good reason for anybody who ever has a chance to talk to someone who served in the military for extended time. Ask them about leadership, and they'll always have a fantastic answer. That one's good. It's well defined. It's clear. Uh, it, it goes year by year. I think that's really strong. I think it's good for for players. And I really like the the first thing you said to me hit really hard. The the P the personal one where. Um, it, ha- it happens so often where you get a kid who wants to lead so badly and he or she will expect things and say things to their teammates. And then as a coach, I kind of pull them aside. I'm like, but you don't do those things. And you're yeah. now telling other players they need to do them. And so it's that personal one is so important. I think we miss it a lot. And I know I have of you have to take care of yourself and make sure you are essentially leading yourself <laughs> before right, you can start right. to lead other people like that is so many right. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, and the thing about it too, is with freshmen in particular, and this is where our sophomores taking them under their wing a little bit, helping them and all of their teammates, not, not just the coaches really is, is because obviously we want to be, you know, um, we want to be player led at the end of the day, right. Um, for, for our success, but, um, with freshmen, it can be confusing because on one minute they're hearing team, 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 right? Us, we, all of these adjectives. And then the next minute they're now they're being told, focus on them lead. (laughs) Can you first, can you first lead yourself? Right? So, and the example that I give them, the example that I give them is the five, again, another piece that I just took that's near and dear to my heart from the Air Force Academy is the five R's, right? So, cause they all look at me, it's like, what do you mean by lead myself and be on top of things? Well, I said, here's a simple way, Th- write this down. And I tell them the five R's, right? So right place, right time, right uniform, because obviously we're a private school, we wear uniforms, but I tell them right place, right time, right uniform, right attitude, ready to do the right thing. Um, those are the five R's. And I said, if if you can maintain that and manage that uh, and manage your time as a freshman, you're going to, you're going to grow massively. And a lot of, a lot more people are going to, you're going to, your credibility is going to go through the roof as well. Um, so, and, and our freshmen that take that to heart, they, they tend to shine. They tend to get it faster than some of our, maybe I'm not going to say our freshmen, but other freshmen that are just mm-hmm. resistant to that kind of thinking. I love it. Like it, it just, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's so well defined that it's easy, I think for your athletes and your coaching staff too, um, to kind of uphold those different values or those different leadership building parts because you're, it's so aligned and so for lack of a, like easy to understand. And it just makes sense. Um, I want to go kind of back to something that you mentioned earlier that I think is important because I think we see it, I think in all sports, but I think, I don't know why, but I think soccer's kind of at the forefront of it, maybe not in a good way, but this, you'd mentioned earlier, like this club versus high school mentality that there mm-hmm. tends to be. And I, I don't know what it's like down in Texas necessarily, but I know here locally in Oregon, it's even gotten to the point where I, I know some kids in high school who end up choosing not to play high school soccer at all. And they just end up staying with their club team. And obviously there's so much that we get, you, you wouldn't be coaching high school if we didn't believe in the value of it. So we don't need to get into the value of high school because it's, we, we understand what that is. Um, but I guess, are you seeing trends similar to that in Texas? And if so, like what, how do we figure this thing out? So we don't have this yeah. us versus you sort of situation that seems to be getting worse and worse every single year. Yeah. 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 You know, the, on that front, I've the personal experiences I've had versus the I guess the stories that I've heard and the, what I'm told they they're very different because the stories that I'm often told and that I have heard is just it's it, it's just that it's like the routine kind of down downplaying down talking of each other um, not and not everyone of course but just those are a lot of the stories that I would get and and just like you said is like some. Some players, uh, some student athletes electing to forego their high school playing experience or many high school student athletes not having that opportunity, meaning that if they want to play, they want to play with this particular club that is deemed elite, right? And I, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're based upon what league they may play. They're told that uh, they can't play high school, 
right? Because it diminishes their game or the risk of injury or what have you. So, so there's, so that by nature is going to kind of create a, obviously there's going to be some resistance there. Um, but versus the experience that I've had personally is that is whether it be in El Paso, whether it be in San Antonio, in Colorado is the clubs, generally speaking, the clubs that I've had to uh, work with, deal with, or that my daughters, you know, cause my daughters play the game, you know, that my daughters play for as well. They've been very supportive of, they've been very supportive of, of their student athletes and the high school game, right? Once high school season is, cause it's very different in Texas compared to some other States. Like I'm not sure about Oregon, but I know California, for example, is like when high school soccer season is in play, there is no club, right? And yeah. In Texas, it's not like that. And because there's layers to it, first of all, the public school, there's, you know, the public school league, which is UIL, and then you have multiple private school leagues, but the main private school league is TAPS. Um, those two, they're, they're separate leagues, public and private, but then they also don't play at the same time. So, um, so club just naturally just overlaps those two. You know, right. It just, I don't want to say encroaches upon their, their seasons, but it's, it's inevitable just through showcases, tournaments, league play, what have you. So, um, but my experience has been though, is that these club directors, club coaches, they've been very supportive of, of their student athletes. And I think the big thing is this, is that we, we need to both coexist for a better, for a better, well-rounded student athlete, uh, because we already know, I think the, on the club side, we have that student athlete, we have that parent that's, they're just, they're chasing that college scholarship or the thought of that college scholarship. And rightfully so, we want them to chase their dreams. But we also know that only 1%, less than 1% of them are going to go on to potentially play at the professional level, right? So we want, and in terms of mental health, we want a well-rounded student athlete that with where the focus first is still on academics, but then also a lot of these, um, a lot of these young men, young women, they're very passionate, especially you see that even more so for whatever reason on the female side, they're very passionate about wanting to wear their school colors, play with their friends that they've been going to school with for years, play in front of their community. Cause I think you've, I'm not sure how it applies in baseball, Max, but in, uh, in soccer, you know, you go to a club game and you have, I don't know, 50, 50 to 75 people on average, maybe watching it's typically parents. You go to a, a high school game, high school soccer game and a really good high school soccer game. You got a couple hundred, at least a couple hundred, maybe right. in the stands, right? Cause it's, it's friends, it's, it's administrators, it's other coaches and, you know, so, and you, you got everything. So, um, so yeah, I, I think how we fix it, that, oh my God, that's, that's a whole other podcast, but yeah, I think, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I think it's how we got here is we have to go back to asking the questions of not treating the symptoms, but asking the root cause, the questions for the root cause of how do we get here? Right. For examining that, studying that and how we can how we can go about fixing that first, I guess. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think that the bottom line is they can both coexist. And I think club coaches, you know, high school coaches going and, you know, I go watch my club players. I watch their games when we're not in season. Right. And some of their high school coaches for my athletes, some of their, um, 
our athletes, some of our, um, some of their club coaches, they come out and watch their high school games, you know, so, so that, that coexistence there and support all in an effort to support that student athlete at the end of the day, you know, it can sound cheesy, it can sound cliche, it can sound corny, whatever you want to call it. But I think anytime we start to stray too far from what's at the center of focus, which is the student athlete and the team, um, I think that's where we start to go wrong. Probably a good segue to ask you for those listening who are like, man, this sector guy's got it going on. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that like the- <laughs> You'll have to tell me about the feedback on that one. It's like, who's this dude, man? Like, I'm not listening to Max's uh, podcast anymore. Right. Uh, if you could give like the synopsis for people or like get them, you know, what's the, what's the 50-50 podcast? What's this all about? Uh, why should people come listen to it? Yeah. Well, you know, I got, for me, I'm all in it for the money, Max. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. yeah just no. rolling in the dough with this <laughs> podcasting game. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. So, you know, the, the 50, 50 podcast, it's really, our mission is to, when we started it in the, it was really in the peak of the pandemic. So in December launched our first episode, December 15th of 2020. And our focus, our mission, if you will, is to really kind of help help unify the the Texas high school soccer community and through telling their stories, you know, telling the stories of of the programs within the state, the coaches, the student athletes, uh, their their histories and whenever they're, you know, big, exciting things are happening uh, because you've seen that grow. I think in Texas right now you had traditionally speaking for many, many, many years, you had, it was the secondary coach. It, soccer was their secondary sport, right? They were a football coach or whatever, or they were a spring sport coach. And they just said, here, go coach soccer. And it's like, I don't know anything about soccer. So they just kind of, Hey, hey roll the ball out of here, go play. What you're seeing now is through the development of our, our soccer community in this country is now you're getting certified teachers. Now you're getting teachers. Now you're getting soccer people in those positions, people with, with extensive playing backgrounds, extensive you know, coaching backgrounds on the club side for many years, maybe backgrounds, coaches that played at the collegiate level. Um, so, um, so now that's is telling those stories and helping really helping give the sport here in the state of Texas, the coverage that it needs. Right. So, but we remain, you know, we remain dedicated to that, that coverage of, of Texas high school soccer Cl- club to a certain, it's just harder to get your arms wrapped around club because there's so many league leagues levels, right? So many, each club has so many teams. So it's a little, it's a little different to try to cover club, but then, and then of course, uh, college soccer in the state of Texas. So, um, so yeah, I think with that and, and being able to utilize it a little bit as a as a college recruiting platform and support those student athletes that want to play at the next level, you know, coupled with you know my other job at uh, at College Promoters USA. I also wanted to ask you this question because I think you probably have a pretty good answer to it and grasp of it just from kind of your experiences, and then obviously doing the podcast has certainly helped me like doing this one. I've learned a ton and gotten better at understanding what high school mm-hmm. sports are all about. Um, I just want to ask you, like if, if, if you were brought before, I don't know, some governing body and, and asked to defend why we should have high school sports. Um, what is the goal of high school sports? Um, what would your response be? Like what, what's your synopsis of why high school sports matter? 
I would say, I would say character, you know, character, community, character, and leadership. I think that, um, and this, a lot of this goes back to my days at the Air Force Academy where, you know, cause I wore multiple hats there as, as a military training instructor, teaching military history, and then of course coaching, right? So, um, but in a lot of these conversations, these discussions, sometimes they were heated too, because the professors didn't always like this answer that I gave them. But, um, I would tell them that, uh, athletics, athletics at all levels, especially at the high school level, why they matter, why sports matter is because they're, it gives them another forum. It gives them another venue, uh, what have you, right? Insert whatever adjective, but it gives them, it's, it affords them the opportunity to further develop character, to learn resiliency that, uh, that go beyond the four walls of a classroom, right? Because leadership, leadership development, character development, that development of, you know, that grit, right? Teamwork. Um, those, those things, those aren't things that are, that are limited to, they're not exclusive to, again, those same four walls of a classroom. Right. And I think the big piece is as coaches is getting our, is doing our, doing a better job for us as coaches and banging the drum and getting, getting fellow faculty members, colleagues, administra- administrators to understand that coaching is teaching, right? They're one in the same. I mean, there's more and more studies and there's a, there's one will go out. I, I can share this with you offline, but Todd, uh, I know Todd Bean who runs the, you know, the Tovo coaching Academy yeah. coaching Institute out of, he's an American based out of Spain, but, uh, he, you know, they talk about love his work and just to name a few, but there's a lot of studies that show that, um, soccer, we'll just use soccer, right? Since, since I'm a soccer guy, but that soccer coaches can develop soccer coaches with an actual teaching background, right? As actual in the classroom teachers can those same principles learned in terms of curriculum development, you know, student development, they're applicable right? When you're on the field in terms of player development, right? And player skill level and milestones. Um, so there's an on, there's a growing, uh, there's, I don't know, it's just a growing contingent of people that really believe that and continue to bang that drum. So, and they matter, you know, they, uh, high school, high school sports, no matter the school, right? No public school, private school, high school level, uh, all of these schools have tremendous, have special things going on on their campuses, right? It's just across academics, fine arts, what have you, athletics, maybe. Athletics, just by the nature of their high visibility, they are, and I'll, I'll take this one to my grave, right, is they are, and I'm sure you've heard this one before, Max, but they are the, fr- they are the front porch of your campus, right? They are, they are what gets people attention in the community, get people talking and then they, they go and they maybe step foot on that campus or like, hmm, what's going on there. Right. So rightfully so sometimes good, sometimes bad, but it can, it can help bring a school, put a school on a, uh, on the, in the spotlight. Um, uh, so yeah. And, and they can, they can unify. They're a unifier unlike anything else. So that's why I think that they matter. Well, yeah, even to your last point and that, that connection through sports can also get people in the community to be willing to, donate to the school to reach out to people they know to help connect students with possible opportunities to help kids with some college stuff if they need to. So there's, 
that that last right. part is is so big that I think we also miss out on a lot. It really is the front porch of your school and provides this opportunity. It's like yeah, obviously different in college, but you know, in college, there's always the like I've, I've seen the stats before. Like if your team wins, like the like the college basketball national championship or football one or whatever it might be, like the enrollment numbers increase significantly right. that following fall right. and it's right. obviously on a much lesser degree in high school but it is that same kind of concept right of like yeah this is a chance to showcase your school and if you do it right and do it well like people in the community are going to take notice and they're going to do stuff for your school right yeah and i think that's that's the key right is when a school when a school can be consistent in their commitment to excellence across everything right not just academics not just fine arts not just athletics, but in everything they do. I mm -hmm. think that's where, when all of those kind of, I guess, what cross-pollinate, if you will, that's when the magic happens for for schools, for programs, for coaches. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing to watch when you when you kind of see it unfolding. It's an awesome thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, cool, Hector. Well, I mean, yeah, first off, like, thank you for your service. Obviously, I know that's it's. It's a it's a weird thing. Like, thanks for serving, but like, <laughs> appreciate, it, it, it's appreciate it. Far appreciate more it. than far more indebted to you than than words can ever put into uh put into the world so just just really appreciate you and and all all the people who have served as well but especially you for coming on the show today and everything like that and um enjoyed getting to meet you and and learn a little bit more about what you're doing down there um before i let you go just thought i'd toss the mic to you one last time i don't know if there's anything we missed or plugs you want to do or just say hi to somebody it doesn't matter just kind of <laughs> give you the mic one last time Hector. yeah yeah no, awesome. Well, first of all, thank you, uh, thank you, Max. Appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity. Appreciate being able to be on your uh, on your platform. And uh, I know I got a little nervous, man. I started looking through your started looking through your profile, all your episodes. I was like, man, I was like, I'm am I only the second soccer guy on here? That's a lot of pressure, right? Well, yeah, so. and the first one was amazing. But <laughs> so he's in New York, so we got the, yeah. the Texas connection now, which I think brings its own <laughs> unique set of uh, yeah. circumstances too. Yeah, that's awesome. But no, thank you, thank you again. A big fan of what you're a big fan of what you're doing. I know, I know this this took us a little while to get off the ground. I think back since what, like maybe January, <laughs> but we. Yeah. Finally got it, it done, happen. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so first and foremost, I appreciate you and people like you, coaches like you, that they get it in terms of um, it. For us to have success within our sport, it has to be about more than our sport, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be more than about the game and and what you're doing here in terms of the podcast. It has the opportunity to to change lives, to educate people, to inform people, to to connect people, right? Connect some of your guests as well, I'm sure. But um, so thank you for that. And I think plug wise, really the only thing I would share, probably that we didn't get a chance to talk about, is just uh, one of the things that's also near and dear to my heart. Uh, is and I talked about it a little bit is so my so obviously my extensive college recruiting uh, ex um, experience I use that in terms of so some of those I talked a little about it briefly with my time at Isleta but um, in my role now here in San Antonio so one of the other things that I do is uh, as director of soccer at College Promoters USA is helping being committed to helping find uh, work with families and student athletes that want to play at the next level is helping them. You know, I, I use those two hashtags, right? Chase your dreams and get discovered is helping them do just that. 
and uh, working, you know, College Promoters USA is an unbelievable organization and uh, they're homegrown here in San Antonio based out of San Antonio, but you know, they're, we're getting ready to launch our club plus program as well. Working, working with clubs, that's going to help kind of bridge some of those gaps, if you will, that we talked about with club and, and high school, maybe a little bit support club coaches. Um, and then also, um, and then also just working, you know, there's obviously there's different business opportunities in terms of franchises. I know our president, Greg Smith, is always looking at that as well. But uh, but the big thing I just wanted to mention that is that um, if you want to look up more information on them, you can look them up at it's called their website, collegepromotersusa.com and Twitter at they're at SATX Recruiting. And on Instagram, they're also College Promoters USA. So um, they're doing great things helping student athletes, you know, student athletes that want to go to, to the next level They're They don't, you know, we don't, we don't telemarket you. We, it's, it's a very personal thing. It's, it's a place where it's an office you can walk into. It's a number you can call and you're going to speak to, you're going to speak to someone immediately. You're going to speak to an actual living person with a heart in their body, not a robot, <laughs> not an automated system. Uh, so, and then, you know, unfortunately you got to deal with people like me a little bit, <laughs> but no, I think it's a, I think it's a great, it's a great thing. And I just wanted to mention that uh, because since we are talking about high school student athletes uh, recruiting and college playing at the next level, I think I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't mention, you know, being a part of, of a great organization as well in College Promoters USA. Just one of the many hats that, that you wear, Hector. Uh, like I said, man, I really appreciate you. I'll put a bunch of those links down in the show notes for people for quick access. And um, yeah, man, just appreciate you so much and, and hope you have a good rest of your summer and, and have a great fall and winter season. Likewise, man. I uh, I really appreciate you. Again, keep up the great, the tremendous work. And I don't know, man, maybe down the road, maybe we can get you on. On We'll have to figure out a way to get you on the 50-50 podcast and yeah. get a get a baseball guy talking soccer. Maybe we can talk soccer sure. in, in <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> right? yeah, I see my two-year-old kick a soccer ball around. I feel like I'm getting pretty smart at it. There you go. <laughs> the, the best thing you can do for your two-year-old is just have, have a soccer ball around the house. Just let that ball yeah. be at their foot. You know, that's the best he thing you can do. He just kicks it everywhere. He likes it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate ah, you, Max. Man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Can't thank Coach Kano enough for joining me for this conversation. I've posted his Twitter account and a link to his podcast down in the show notes. Make sure you go check it out. If you aren't signed up yet for the weekly newsletter, if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening to Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this on social media, via email, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. doesn't matter. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Kano for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking the play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.